you've lost a family member or a close friend in such horrific circumstances. What do we do with that? How do we, how do we deal with that? And thankfully, I've, um, I've not experienced anything near as unspeakably horrific as anything like that. So I really don't know how I would respond. I, I, I can't tell you. Uh, I know I should. Some of the things that we'll talk about today, but I just don't know how I would be affected by that. But what I do know is that what is central to us being disciples of Jesus, it requires us to become more and more like him in our character and how we respond to circumstances, how we react and how we treat other people in life. And for me, the most, I think, the most striking thing about the nature of Jesus is his willingness to extend forgiveness to all people in all circumstances. And actually, in some of the worst moments of his life, Jesus himself is the very one that embodies forgiveness that the best to us I think you know it was after he had been horribly tortured and beaten to within an inch of his life and then he was nailed to and raised up on a cross and, and it's in that place where he's in in sheer agony that he looked down and prayed those words father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and he looked down, and that's when they're like laughing and they're jeering at him from the foot of the cross. He forgave. You know, we, we live in a fallen world, don't we? It's a world that's kind of polluted by sin and shame and broken relationships. Life is often marked by disappointments and hurt and loss and pain. And in, in the midst of all that, to be true disciples means to emulate him. To emulate him in, in among other different ways, but he calls us to actually release others who sin against us. It releases them, and it kind of, we, we kind of deny our rights, our personal right to collect on the moral debt of their offense. Now, in this story that I just shared uh, in, in the States there. I, I, I haven't heard any stories relating to, to that where people have expressed this kind of forgiveness to the perpetrator. But there have been cases then through the past where people have experienced equally harrowing events, lost family members and friends, and they have publicly forgiven the killer. One uh, of the many stories, one that really sticks with me, is one that comes out of, uh, it's from back in 2006, and some of you will remember, again, it's another shooting in the States, um, and a shooter, he goes into a quiet Amish community in Pennsylvania, um, and he goes into this small one-school, one-room school uh, house, and he shot eight out of ten young girls aged between 6 and 13. Five of them died. And that was before him turning the gun on himself. So he killed himself as well. 
Now, I don't know whether you've ever seen it, the film Amish Grace. I keep, I keep calling it Amish. It's, it's Amish, isn't it? Yeah. I've seen the film Amish Grace. I do recommend it to you. It tells the very story of what happened in this and uh, how the, the, the community actually came to terms with all the terrible loss that they have, losing their kids. And the emphasis of, the, of forgiveness that came out of the Amish community as part of the response uh, to what happened. And that reverberated around the world. It was phenomenal. Forgiveness. The act of forgiving is central to the Christian faith. It's a thread that we see run right way through the Bible, from the front to the back. You can't open the Bible without discovering forgiveness is at the very heart of everything surrounding God and everything that Jesus did, everything that he accomplished. When you look at Jesus' ministry within the Gospels, we find that Jesus, you know, he operated around two Basic understandings about humanity. We've got these coming up on the screen. Firstly, ooh, we haven't got them up on the screen, okay. Um, no, I didn't put them on, that's why. <laughs> I didn't put them on the, the presentation. Okay, there's two basic things that Jesus understands about humanity. Firstly, that every human being has a problem with sin and guilt. We are all Guilty. We, we are all so crippled by our moral debt that we, we cannot pay it ourselves. In Romans 3, it says it this way. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of that moral standard of God. And that's the first thing. And the second thing he knows and understands is that we have a God who is compassionate and who offers us all, all of humanity, he offers us forgiveness for our sins. So the first thing I just want to bring us back to is the Bible's call for us to imitate God, to imitate Jesus in this whole area of forgiveness. We simply can't get around it. It's at the core of the message of that what we're going to read through today. In fact... That's what's missing from my thing, is our passage. <laughs> Jesus, thankfully, you know, as his follower, we're to imitate him. But as disciples, thankfully, we have a rabbi that knows a lot about forgiveness. And he taught a lot about forgiveness. Um, we're going to have a look at a passage, which is going back a little bit. <laughs> In Matthew, Matthew 18, if you have your Bible, I do encourage you to bring your Bibles with you because I may make it up. <laughs> I may just lie and just you know, tweak things to suit me. But, so you need to follow. You need to read the Bibles for yourself. So we're going to start with this passage then. Um, this is Jesus talking with Peter. Peter is one of my favorite characters in the, in the whole Bible, aside from Jesus. He's so real, so earthy, always opening his mouth and putting his foot in it. I love that about Peter. Um, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me up to seven times? I think Peter's kind of like, I'm going to impress Jesus a little bit here. I talk about this whole thing, forgiveness. Jesus, forgiveness, you know, seven times? I can do that. Jesus says, 
I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some versions actually say 70 times, seven times. Jesus is doing this thing called um, hyperbole. He's kind of drawing a comparison to the number that Peter gave, and he's just using a real big number by comparison. And so he's not saying... um, you know, get to 77 times or 490 times, whichever way you look at it. Uh, and then if they sin against you again, then you can just like offload on them or anything. He's just saying, look, you think this number, I'm just saying something, it's infinitely more. It's a big amount more. Okay, he's like, you're not there yet, uh, Pete. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle the, at the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was be- brought before him. Now, talents is a, a unit of weight, usually of gold or silver, precious metals. And so 10,000 talents is a big amount. It's very, very valuable, very expensive. He couldn't pay it back. It would take more than a lifetime for anybody to pay back something if they owed that amount. So, he owed him 10,000 talents. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He had compassion. He cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now this, by comparison, is so small. It's fairly significant. But by comparison, it's very, very small. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how, this is Jesus now, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother. As I say, we are called to offer forgiveness, to be recipients of, and to imitate our God in in the way he forgives and as I say, that's what this whole passage is like. And it just, it, you know, Jesus' words were not, hey, this is this would be a good suggestion. I want you to kind of like just have a think about this. Consider doing this. It was way, way more stronger than that. It was a command. Forgive. And, and you know, there are many other passages that carry that same weight. There are many. I mean, we've got some that will pop up. We've got Colossians three, thirteen. It says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have have a grievance against someone, 
how? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Again, one of Paul's letters to the, to the church in Ephesus, in you know, uh, Ephesians 4. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. This is again, it's from the, uh, you know, that well-known section of teaching of the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus. He says, for if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Now what's clear from all of these verses, or the passage that we've been reading, is two things. That there are times where we are going to have to forgive others, that we're going to be offended by others. But secondly, there are also going to be times where we are going to be the offender, right? And I don't know about you, but that last passage there, Matthew 6 passage, that's quite hard to swallow, isn't it? That's like hard teaching, Jesus. When I read that, I just think, whoa, Jesus, wind it back in a bit, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> Fighting talk there, there, Jesus. You know, unless you forgive others, your father won't forgive you. Now, I'm not wanting to dial back or tame down um, on the importance of what Jesus said there. He said what he said, and it was really, really important. But I think the key point of what was being made within this is that it's more about the maintaining our relationship and our intimacy with God more than anything. Jesus is stressing the need for us to remove every blockage that keep us from having fellowship with God. And not only fellowship with God, but fellowship with, with one another as well. And that's exactly what unforgiveness does, doesn't it? Unforgiveness becomes like a roadblock in that journey of pursuing God and our ability to, have, to experience intimacy in that relationship with him and to experience life and life to the full as he promises us. And so for us then, disciples, that's what you call yourself, apprentices to Jesus, followers of Jesus, those who are learning to emulate him, be like him, forgiveness in the kingdom it's what we eat, live, and breathe. It's everything. It goes through everything we do. I said it a couple of weeks, didn't I? The oxygen of the kingdom is forgiveness. Ox- you know, forgiveness is the oxygen of the kingdom. In order to experience life, we need to inhale it. We need to take it in. We need to receive it. But we also need to exhale it to others as well. What I just want to say, though, is... You know, getting on this journey of forgiveness is not an easy thing. I, I don't want to undermine that. I don't want you to get the message. I think this, this is how oh, I was just going to copy Jesus. We just get on with it. Just forgive people. It is not an easy thing. You know, and God understands that. God so understands that. You know, I think um, it was harder for him to forgive than it was to create the universe. If you think about it, when he spoke, uh, when he, he created the universe, he just spoke a word and it came into being. He said light and heaven and earth and animals and plants and it just came about. And yet God wasn't able to just speak a word of forgiveness 
that would be enough. Because for him to have done that would have been to have denied justice. And he's also a God of justice. For him to have done that would have said sin doesn't really matter that much. The only way that God could forgive sins was through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And only Jesus' blood could satisfy God's justice. So it's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy. It was costly for God. So it's going to be difficult for us. But I want to ask, maybe you're asking, yeah, I get that, Rob. I get what the Bible says about forgiveness. We forgive just because God forgave us as well. Yeah, I get all that. But what about when somebody really hurt us? You know, so I'm talking about more now than just somebody like you in Tesco running up against your ankle with a shopping trolley. <laughs> or somebody cutting in front of you in the car or something. Way, something more than that. What, when, God re, when somebody really hurts and it's long-lasting. What then? Because I hear what you're saying, Bob, but it's painful, it's hard. You know, what about when somebody has stabbed you in the back, a so-called close friend of yours, or a family member, and they've done the dirty on you? What about when a spouse has committed adultery, or that spouse has beaten you up again? What about when, if it was a parent that never, was just never there in your life? never there to give you the love and assurance and support that you anchored after in your growing up years. What if you discover your kid is being abused? What then? Sometimes it's like, Rob, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I just can't get past the hurt. It's too painful. I just can't forgive this person. I can't forgive that parent or these people, what they've done to me. And sometimes it feels that we are imprisoned to the pain and to the anger. Now, I I believe that mostly we find ourselves in that place, as I say, because we sometimes have a misunderstanding of what forgiveness actually is. And so if if that's you today, if you're here and you're just thinking, as we're like talking about this topic of forgiveness and I'm just thinking about those things that occurred to me and I so, yeah, I know what it's saying, but man, I feel really bound up in this thing. I'm... I'm hurting, I'm in pain. If that's you today, what I'm hoping to do is just kind of dismantle some of the myths surrounding forgiveness. And hopefully, some people here today will experience something of a freeing that will be able to go and um, forgive as the Bible actually tells us to forgive. <laughs> so what I'm talking about what, what forgiveness is not then. I'm trying to like dispel some of those myths. First of all, forgiveness is not forgetting forgiveness is not about forgetting maybe you've heard that phrase just forgive and forget yeah anybody heard that forgive and forget it's kind of like a put it behind you just move on forget about it I mean that expression is just so far from reality I don't know where to start <laughs> I mean for starters we were all made to remember you know and just in case you didn't know we've all got a bit of kit that enables us to recall things. And sometimes it, it kind of packs up. It does for me. You know, sometimes, yeah, those moments when Angela's like said, right, I'm going out now. Before you get into what you want to do, you know, you've got to take all the rubbish out to the bin outside and you want to unload the, the dishwasher. All right? Yeah. So yeah, she goes out and poof, 
<laughs> okay, so it, it packs up uh, now again, it plays up. But we have a memory, and our memory is not like like a computer that you can kind of turn off or just earn, enter the the right commands in order to delete the data in some way. You know, being able to look back and remember stuff is actually useful. It's a good thing. And you know, even in the Bible, I mean, that phrase appears, remember, remember, so many times. The people of God are called to recall, remember what God did for you. So many times had done. So our memories are important. And in fact, more than that, often looking back and remembering can be such a vital part of our healing that we have to go through. You know, when we've experienced hurt and pain caused by others, sometimes actually going through that within the right context. I'm not talking about scratching off the, the scab and just, oh, I'm just going to purposely, you know, get stuck in this again. But contrary to what we may think, remembering doesn't have to hold us captive. And that kind of relates to the, the, the second one. Forgiveness is not denying what happened. It's not about denying what happened. Many people struggle with forgiveness because they think that somehow we've got to play this kind of mental game. It's like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? I've got to pretend, pretend I, you know, pretend I wasn't abused. Pretend that my husband or pretend that my wife never cheated on me and just kind of put on a false smile when I'm around them. Is that what I've got to do? Because... It, and understandably, you know, when you, people think that, you, they, they say, do you know what? I can't go through life pretending. Therefore, I can't forgive. You can kind of understand people saying that. But the thing is, forgiveness does not mean that we deny what happened to us. Or in some way, that, that, that what hurt us did, didn't really hurt. That's, that's wrong. Forgiveness requires you to be the most honest you possibly can be. And we'll talk about this a little bit more next time. But forgiveness, you know, actually pulls the cover off of the pretense and labels sin and the hurt for what it actually is. Thirdly, forgiveness does not mean that we go back to the way things were. Forgiveness, it doesn't automatically... It's not automatically allowing somebody who's um, toxic or somebody who is harmful back into our life. And yeah, I know that as disciples, that the scriptures teach us that we've, we've got to do everything we can to live in peace with everyone. And that reconciliation is God's, you know, it's high on God's agenda, reconciliation. You know, reconciling creation and us to him, you know. For one, but um, that's God's desire. But reconciliation may be something that forgiveness makes a pathway towards. But there, you know, I think sometimes there are extraordinary moments where people can actually be reconciled after you know very bad cases. But forgiveness doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we're automatically obligated to relational reconciliation. Um, and, and that kind of thinking, it leaves people thinking, you know, I cannot forgive if it means I've got to go back to that situation. Forgiveness then, just to be clear, forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. It doesn't mean that we go back to the way things were. It doesn't mean that we send the wife back into an abusive relationship. Sometimes the healthy 
Christ-like response is to set up boundaries and live within those boundaries. Next one. Forgiveness does not mean that we deny justice or the consequences. Some people think, again, that, you know, I can't forgive this person because it means to forgive them that I'm saying that that there's no consequence for that, what they did. That they just kind of get off, scot-free. Let me tell you a little quick story from the Bible. The story of King David and um, Bathsheba. Many of you know the story, but King David, he commits adultery, right? And then uh, he gets her pregnant. And then what he does, he bumps off her husband, Uriah, so that he can kind of cover it up. Um, But after all of that, he sought the Lord's forgiveness. It's in 2 Samuel 12. And we read these words. It says, um, Then David said to Nathan, the prophet guy, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. In other words, David, you are forgiven. Forgiveness is towards you. But does that mean that there are no consequences? Does that mean there are no, there's no justice, there's no scars in, in all of this? Well, actually, this is what the next verse says. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Yeah, again, that feels like, yeah. Hard, a bit hard. But, in other words, in spite of forgiveness, there are often consequences even for forgiven sins. The consequences, in, in other cases, may be a sexually transmitted disease. It could be an unplanned pregnancy. The consequences could be getting fired from your job. Or it could be losing trust in a marriage or distancing yourself from you know, a friend or someone we love. The consequence could be, I don't know, a huge debt. There are often consequences, even though forgiveness is there. Next one. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Now, what I mean is, is there are going to be times in our life where, and it needs to be, that we need to choose to forgive over and above what we're actually feeling within that moment. This is hard. <laughs> Whilst forgiveness isn't about forgetting, it's not about playing pretend and all that, something didn't happen or it didn't hurt, and and we're not condoning the actions, but it's also a place where we don't allow our feelings and our emotions to just dictate how we move forward in this. We're not going to allow them to dictate our future. Throughout the journey of walking in the kingdom of God, walking according to his way, walking according to what he feels, what his thoughts are on this and that's you know we're talking about keeping in step with the spirit is the way Paul uh, wrote it in Galatians 5 and, and in doing that we walk according to his feelings according to his wisdom and according to uh, his knowledge and so that means sometimes accepting that forgiveness is not about how we feel we've got two more I, I think this is a, a big stumbling block forgiven Forgiveness does not depend on the offender first saying, I'm sorry. It does not depend on the offender first saying, I'm sorry. As I say, I think this is hard 
for some people. It's a common misunderstanding regarding forgiveness. This whole idea that unless that person comes up to me and expresses sorrow, unless they come up and they shed a tear and they repent and they say, I I really am sorry. Unless, unless, then why should I forgive? It's like unless my dad, unless my husband or wife uh, at least yeah, acknowledge that what they did was wrong or acknowledge that I was right in, in, in all of this, then I'm not going to forgive. I can't forgive him or her unless they first apologize. And I've heard a minister teaching this from the front of a church uh, saying, yeah, this, yeah, that's the way it should be. They should you know, first repent. Now, I think the problem here is that, we're, again, we're confusing forgiveness with um, like reunion, re, uh, reconciliation. A guy called Rich Nathan, pastor of uh, the Vineyard Church in the States, he said it like this about differentiating the two. Forgiveness is a one-way street, but reconciliation is a two-way street. Forgiveness does not demand that the other person repents, but to be brought back into relationship does demand that that person repents in other words that my forgiveness is unconditional but the person's receipt of that forgiveness is conditioned on their confession and their repentance remember this whole series is about us emulating god emulating jesus you know we're to forgive just as jesus forgave that's what said in that colossians passage isn't it? bear with one another forgive one another forgive as the lord forgave you now think about this. Did God wait until you said that you were sorry before he offers you forgiveness for your sins? Did God in heaven say, look, I'm not going to offer you forgiveness unless you first say that word, I repent, or those words, I repent. You know, after all, you're the one that messed this whole thing up in the first place. But you know, you've got to come and say, I'm sorry, and then, and only then, I will forgive you. Is that the way God did it? No. That's not the way it works with God. The way it works with God is God in Christ purchased our forgiveness at the cross. Way before we were ever sorry. Way before we repented. Way before we sought God in any way, shape or form. God forgave us at the cross while we still hated him. Whilst our backs were were towards him whilst we were still sinners. That's what it says in Romans 5. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were powerless, while we were ungodly, while we were still sinners, before we'd said, I'm sorry, before we admitted to God that we are sinful, God offers us forgiveness. Now, repentance is needed to receive that forgiveness. Repentance kind of releases forgiveness into our life, the receive, that, that what Christ has offered uh, offers us it releases that into our life repentance is needed to reconnect reconnect us with god and so repentance therefore 
on the part of the person that has offended you, offended you, is not con- a condition or is not a prerequisite then for you to forgive them. Forgiveness is something that you do, and you do before God on your own, just you and Him. You get before God and you say, "God, you know, James really hurt me." <laughs> no, so I shouldn't use names, sorry. Um, and he didn't notice. You see that? Uh, um, <laughs> such and such really really hurt me and they did this to me and we name the person we name the act before God but then we say God I release that person into your hands I release my judgment and I release my grudge and I release my anger and my pain and my bitterness and I pray God somehow that you would have mercy on that individual that you would forgive them said earlier this is not an easy path it's hard it's costly the only way that we can walk this journey of forgiveness is with God holding his hand and leaning into his grace remembering that we were recipients of his bountiful grace and forgiveness and love in the first place and it's kind of like we're freely giving out of that place of freely received as the scripture says. Which brings me to the final myth buster. Forgiveness is not a one-time act. It's not like a one-off event. It's a journey. Forgiveness is this deliberate act of choosing to release my judgment and my right to claim payment on this moral debt that is owed me for what they have done. And sometimes we choose to do that and we feel, yes, I've done it. I've forgiven. I I forgive that person. I may have or may not have felt the right emotions or feelings tied with that at the time. Uh, But I did. I've released that grudge and bitterness to God. But often the memories of it come back because as I said earlier, we remember. We were meant to remember. They come back. And sometimes those memories come back And along with them comes up this stirring of all the hurt and the pain that that we we once experienced. And we find again that thinking, actually, no, I haven't (laughs) kind of finished this process of forgiving after all. I thought I I had. And so at that time, we need to continue on that journey of forgiveness. We need to carry on, press on. We go back to God and we say to him again, God, once again, I come to you with this. And, you know, I come back and again, I'm naming the individual. I'm naming the hurt, calling it what it is. And I'm giving you my hurt again and giving you my bitterness, giving you my grudge. And I'm asking you, God, will you forgive them and bless them? We have to keep going back and going back sometimes. You know, that that Amish community I I was telling you about, this is exactly what they needed to do over and over and over again. Uh, they were saying about it that, um, and it could have been for months it could have been for years um, but so many times they had to keep going back they've felt all this anger and this pain flooding back in again unannounced uh, um, and they have to keep going back to God and say look we release all those things all those feelings and all that pain I give back to you God will you give us the grace to be able to enter into your peace again Sometimes we just need to keep coming back to that place because forgiveness is a journey. It's rarely a one-off moment. It's 
rarely a, you know, said the prayer, done the forgiveness, finished with. It's a journey. And you know, what's more, we need to take that journey in community. We need the support and the care and the encouragement of those around us as well. We need to walk it and we need to um, actually do it before God, but we also need it in community. We support one another. So that's you know just a few things this week that I wanted to go through uh, about what forgiveness is not. And I, I don't know whether you noticed, I just touched briefly there on what forgiveness is. And this is what I want to leave you with this week. is kind of a working definition. Um, and we'll kind of pick up back on this next week. I'll start at this point. Forgiveness then is the deliberate act of choosing to release the one who has sinned against me and to surrender my right to collect payment on the moral debt that they owe me through paying them back for what they've done. I'll let you just read that and take that in a little bit because that's, it's enormous. The deliberate act of choosing to release the one who says, it's a choice. I get to choose in this. To release the person that sinned against me and to surrender my right to exact revenge. I'm surrendering that right to pay them back, evil for evil. You know, Romans 12, verse 17, he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. You know, if we focus on doing what's right, we're going to do what's good. And we'll find ourselves wanting what is good for the other person as well. The next time, we're going to talk a little bit more about forgiveness, what forgiveness is. Answer the question, how do I know that I have forgiven? We'll get more into that. And we're going to hear some more of Angela's story, my wife's story. I know some of you have heard about her growing up years and some of the trauma and you know, horrors of family life that she went through. And in fact, she's not going to be here next week. So in this week, I'm going to get her to, to, film, to do a video and share her story with some of the things that we'll go through next week. Is that okay? Why don't we finish by standing? <laughs>